And now, the moment we've all been waiting for, the majestic return of Read Into Something with Alice and Winky. Welcome back to Read Into Something. We're about to start Season 2 and another fun podcast episode brought to you by the Stone County Library, Crane Branch. As always, I'm Alice, the branch manager. At my side is Winky, my mostly silent but intuitive co-host and the library mascot. Do your thing, Wink. Gosh, you guys, it feels like we were just together a couple of weeks ago. Oh, wait. Yeah, we definitely were. However, I'm calling this Season 2 because I can. I have a whole bunch of fun new topics to tell you about. Yes, this podcast is still as random as ever. You wouldn't want it any other way. So, what's the topic for today? Weird Phenomenon. Nobody can explain these things I've discovered for you. Except to say, wow, the human body is weird. Buckle in, because in a moment we're going to explore some of the strangest things to ever happen to, well, people. body is kind of a weird thing if you think about it. All our parts work together to create balance and keep us functioning. However, sometimes things get a little wonky. Take for example the poor souls who believe they're made of glass. It's called glass delusion. The most noted case of this problem is the French king Charles VI. Charles started out life as a perfectly normal flesh and bone human. He was crowned at 11 but allowed the regency to rule until he turned 21. There was some upheaval because his uncles were pretty much ruining the country. When Charles decided enough was enough, he allowed his father's advisors to start handling things. He became known as Charles the Beloved. The first notations of Charles' delusions began when he and a friend were nearly assassinated. The assassin fled to Brittany and the ruler there refused to give him up. So Charles went a little crazy and formed an army to retrieve the perpetrator. Along the way, a leper tried to stop him, and it must have freaked Charles out because a short time later, a lance bearer dropped the lance, startled Charles, and our favorite young king started hacking and slashing his companions. As his mental illness progressed, he forgot who he was, forgot his wife, forgot he was king, and the palace staff were forced to wall him in so he wouldn't escape. It comes as no surprise that one day he decided he was made of glass and did everything he could to protect himself from breakage. He would sit still for hours, wrapped in blankets. Supposedly, he had rods sewn into his clothes so he wouldn't break if he bumped into someone or something. The glass delusions get weirder. In 1840, a princess from Bavaria, Alexandra Emilie, told her relatives that she'd swallowed a grand piano made of glass when she was a child, and if she bumped into anything, it would shatter. Okay, that's pretty creative for a 10-year-old, except that Alexandra Emilie was 23. A relative of Cardinal Richelieu, remember when we talked about him during my review of the Three Musketeers? Believed his butt was made of glass and wouldn't sit down without a pillow attached to his butt. Here's the kicker. The recorded people who believe they possess glass bodies or body parts tended to be intelligent people. This phenomenon became widely accepted in the Middle Ages. Oddly, it slowly faded out of text and records as the 19th century dawned. Barring that princess, of course. Strangely, as civilization evolved, people stopped thinking they were glass, but some of them thought they might have been made of concrete. It was believed that the glass delusion was a form of melancholy, which was a commonly diagnosed mental illness among royals. 
The only thing, according to History.com, that the sufferers have in common is that they describe themselves as feeling fragile. I'm still circling the chick who thought she swallowed a piano whole. What? Once upon a time, there was a beautiful princess. She never believed she swallowed a piano. No, she was cursed to fall into a deep sleep that would never be broken unless she was kissed by a handsome prince. For starters, that's kind of weird anyway. Don't go around kissing random sleeping people. It's creepy. I guess Disney was capable of romanticizing it, but what happens when it happens in real life? Not the kissing, that's not part of this. But people really do fall asleep and don't wake up. Klein-Levine syndrome is a rare disease that causes people to sleep for more than 20 hours a day. In some cases, they can sleep for weeks, but other victims can fall asleep for years. That's the case for Carolina Olson. Honestly, I'm not even sure we can call what she had sleeping beauty syndrome. It might be a curse or fairies or something. It's unexplainable, even as a hoax. Let me tell you the story. She was born in Sweden, in a town I'm not even going to attempt to say the name of. You have her name, you can look her up yourself. That's Carolina with a K. As I was saying, born in 1861, she suffered a head injury one day, seemed to recover from it, and then started complaining of a toothache. Because it was old-timey times, Carolina's family believed the toothache was due to a witch. Go to bed, they told her. Sleep it off. The curse will surely wear off if you just go to sleep. So sleep she did. For 32 years. No, I'm not making that up. To keep her alive, her mother fed her a mixture of milk and sugar. For 32 years. Well, 32-ish. And spoiler alert, her mother dies. Doctors had no idea what to make of her coma-like state. Stranger still, Carolina's hair and fingernails didn't grow. Not even a little bit. She was just suspended, probably by the tooth curse. Witchcraft, obviously. So one day, in 1892, one of the doctors decided she needed some electroshock therapy. That was definitely what was going to wake her up. The following month, when not even magical, wonderful electricity could pull her from the clutches of this unbelievable nap, she was sent home again. After that, the doctors were like, don't bother us again. And her family was like, hey, we don't have any money and we didn't want to pay you in the first place, so don't blame us for bothering you. All this while Carolina slept on. Her mother died in 1904 and her milk and sugar duties were assumed by a maid who said she never heard the girl speak. However, in 1907, when her brother died and she was told, I guess she started crying hysterically while sleeping. So let's rehash a moment. She's surviving off of milk. Her hair and nails don't grow. Her muscles don't weaken. Her face remains young, like younger than the typical 40-year-olds. She might occasionally say a word or two. She can definitely cry, but other than that, she's basically as active as a houseplant. One day, the maid strolls into Carolina's room. Lo and behold, Sleeping Beauty is awake and crying, and you can't really blame her. When she saw her brothers for the first time in 32 years, she had no idea who they were. Can you imagine waking up thinking you're still 14, go to look in the mirror, and you look like you're in your mid-20s? Aside from being weak and sensitive to light, Carolina was healthy. She knew everything she'd learned as a girl. So... Some have speculated that she was in a state of hibernation. I don't know about anyone else, but I've definitely wished I could hibernate like a bear. Wake me up when spring gets here. A psychiatrist met with her two years after she woke up. 
After the meeting, he wrote a paper about how he was pretty sure she was faking it and her mother had helped her. Apparently, Carolina was under the impression she had a fatal illness and would lay in bed pretending to be in a coma. But that doesn't explain why she didn't age. And either everyone who looked at this girl was a total dope, or her mother was hardcore detailed about trimming her daughter's fingernails and hair. But freshly cut nails, even filed down, do look cut. How do you explain the time that she spent in the hospital for a month? Her mom was sneaking in, cutting her hair and nails? I find that hard to believe. It's totally possible, but it seems drastic even to get sympathy. And to be submitted to electroshock therapy and still be asleep? About the time that was mentioned, my eyes would spring open and I'd be just fine, thank you. I guess you could explain her youthful features by believing if she's not out in the sun or working hard, yeah, she's probably pretty relaxed. I just don't see how someone could lay in bed for 32 years. It's definitely witchcraft. Here's one everybody's familiar with, hysteria. Hysteria comes in all forms, like people buying all of the toilet paper so that none of the rest of us can get any. Why do you need all that toilet paper? You just freaked out because the media said you should freak out. Well, even before social media and even daily news reports, people suffered from hysteria. You may have heard of dancing fever, the one where the people decided to dance and dance and dance. They didn't stop until they fell down or died. There's a pretty funny episode on puppet history about it, if you don't mind language. I'm sorry to say that people also suffered from other kinds of hysteria. For example, meowing nuns. Meow. So, I guess you could point out that obviously the life of a nun isn't full of excitement. I don't know much about them, but I do know that cabin fever can stir up some weirdness. Enter a French convent that housed a nun who one day began to meow. For whatever reason, every other nun in the place also started meowing for several hours a day, together. Unlike the convent in the movie The Nun, this one was in a neighborhood. People were serenaded by ladies meowing, and they got annoyed quickly. Remember the Meow Mix commercial that's only meows? Try that times a hundred. There's no recorded explanation for the meowing nuns. Eventually, they were convinced to stop when threatened with police intervention. You want to keep meowing or do you want to be beaten? I think I'll go with the choice A. But I bet it was a really hard habit to break. There was also a case of biting nuns. In similar effect, only in Germany, one nun bit another one without explanation. The rash of bitings grew until they were all biting one another. For what purpose and to what end? Who knows? It doesn't stop there, though. The biting epidemic spread from Germany to other convents in other countries. Some guy who was no doubt an expert on 15th century women, much less nuns, decided that this was happening because they were under stress due to being stuck in the nunneries, and it was some sort of fantastic affection. By that, I don't mean they were biting one another because they loved each other. To quote Lemony Snicket, affection here means they were affected by the biting, and so, like the horde of piranhas, just started biting because of being bitten. Yes, you shouldn't use the word to define the definition, but I'm lazy. Please don't start biting people because A, it's gross, and B, your mother raised you better than that. Another case of mass hysteria is over fairies. It's not hard to understand why, because if you know anything about fairies, like the really old stories about them, you know you shouldn't be cavorting with the little scamps. They can utterly ruin your life on a whim. 
It didn't stop Elsie Ride or Frances Griffiths from seeking out photographic proof of fairies in 1917. The story starts off innocently enough. The two cousins were adventuring in the Cottingley Beck, a stream that ran near the Wright's garden. However, when they got home, they got in trouble for being wet. One of them told the adults scolding them that they had gone to see the fairies there. Pretty sure no one was buying it. Determined to provide proof, Elsie grabbed a mid-quarter plate camera. She and her cousin returned shortly with a plate showing Frances and some winged fairies dancing around her. Elsie had a little taste for photography, but her father was suspicious. Even after providing another plate showing Elsie trying to touch a little gnomey-looking creature, he didn't believe it. Elsie's mother, on the other hand, was a member of a Theophist group, and one of the other members was astounded by what he saw when she shared the images. Edwin Gardner, one of the leaders of that particular group of Theophists, was excited by the plates and had copies made. You can find them all over the internet. There are really nice examples of early 20th century photography. While Gardner was doing lectures on how the images were proof of a transformational process that was going on to change the world, the plates also caught the attention of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yep, the author of Sherlock Holmes, who only ever used common sense and deductive reasoning to solve mysteries. I forget whether I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but I know I did a weird Wednesday fact on Twitter about how Conan Doyle was a spiritualist. He desperately wanted to believe in ghosts, but wouldn't accept anything except absolute proof. He believed that most seances are hoaxes. That's not the case with the Cottingley Fairies. He proceeded to write an article about fairies for a magazine called Strand, and got permission to use the images. Poor Conan Doyle never really received solid evidence of the afterlife, and he died believing in Cottingley Fairies. It wasn't even until the 1960s that people really started doubting the authenticity of the photos. They became more widespread as mass media gained footing. In 1983, Elsie admitted they had created the hoax. The drawings were images copied from a book titled Princess Mary's Gift Book. However, the prints of the fake fairies captured the imagination of the world and went on to inspire other books and images of the fae. There was quite a craze for them from the first print in 1917 to even modern day. People still believe. It's not exactly a weird phenomenon. The knowledge of fairies was already affixed in the human mind, but the photos inspire more people to believe in the supernatural and the unknown. The early 20th century was rife with people curious about the afterlife and otherworldly creatures. A little helpful tip should you run afoul of a fairy, they're compelled to count salt. Always keep one of those little salt packets within easy reach. Then you can kill it with iron while it's busy counting. Free advice right there. You're welcome. Next time on Read Into Something, I'm taking you to a not-so-far-off, not-terribly-exotic place. It does have a giant bird monster thing and some fantastic views and the mysterious end of a civilization. Don't forget to check out the Stone County Library Facebook page. Read Into Something also has Twitter and Instagram. Find us at Twitter at SCLCPodcast and on Instagram at Instagram.com slash SCLCPodcast. Plus, our webpage has every episode. Simply go to podpage.com slash read dash into dash something. Once again, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, if you like reading into something, please leave us a review or a rating. It means a lot to us. Thanks. Until next time, Alice and Winky out. Ah! Disclaimer, views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to Alice and not necessarily to her employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual.